have a headache and had for a couple days. So I just uh, went about my business. Except I did something unusual. I asked my manager, could she uh, take care of things because I wanted to go home and get some rest. She thought that was odd and I thought that was odd, but I felt that I needed to get some more sleep. Uh, that morning, while I was getting ready to go to work, I fell, which is really unusual. But I didn't think anything of it. And uh, slowly through the day, my speech became uh, less and less apparent. I'm normally an introvert, so um, it's not a big deal not to speak uh, for hours. My wife got home before me, and she called me, and she asked me, where, where are you? And I couldn't answer her. And I knew there's a problem. I didn't know what it was, but I knew um, something's afoot. She um, said, well, come on home, we'll figure it out. But the first thing she did was she played 20 questions. Eventually she asked me, am I at the library? And at least I could still say yes and no. So then I got home and I, we decided uh, I needed to go to the emergency room. I was in the hospital for five and a half weeks. I was in a subacute uh, rehab place for three weeks. And the other thing was they hospitalized me just to watch me. And that's when I had the major stroke, which uh, took out my right side of the motor function or the motion of my body. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. People with aphasia have trouble with the four main ways people understand and use language, reading, listening, speaking, and writing. Those with aphasia may make mistakes with the words they use. It could sometimes be using the wrong sounds in a word or choosing the wrong word or putting words together incorrectly. In this episode, we'll hear from Brent Calhoun from Michigan. Brent suffered two strokes in 2010 at the age of 50. I was a, the hospital administrator of a large specialty and emergency veterinary practice. We had grown to three locations, so we covered uh, the lower peninsula of Michigan, and I was having a blast. Most people think of a veterinarian, they think he or she is fixing dogs or cats or horses or cows, but I only did that for about five years, and then I segued uh, into consulting other veterinarians with other veterinarians about how they could run their business better. And then um, I um, consulted with the group that uh, ran the specialty in emergency medicine for about five years. And then they uh, invited me to join them and eventually to buy into the practice. I was married, or I still am married, my wife, Connie, and uh, we have ad adopted two boys. Everything was going well, so to speak, and uh, until the upset occurred. We were in the process of merging our company with another company. We were going to go from uh, two states to five states. So it was a really big deal. And so we had the other uh, man, his name is Daryl, is Daryl, come up to Michigan. And he and my senior partner, Dan, will, would announce our merger. <laughs> While I slept uh, after that at night, I had the first stroke. So it was kind of like my mind was telling me it's time to take a new direction. So uh, the next morning, 
I still didn't know I had a stroke. The first one took out my speech center, but I did have a headache and had for a couple of days. So I just uh, went on about my business, except I did something unusual. I asked my manager, could she uh, take care of things because I wanted to go home and uh, get some rest. She thought that was odd and I thought that was odd, but I felt that I needed to get some more sleep. Oh, the other thing, uh, that morning while I was getting ready to go to work, I fell, which is really unusual, but I didn't think anything of it. And uh, slowly through the day, my speech became uh, less and less apparent. I'm normally an introvert, so um, it's not a big deal not to speak uh, for hours. But when I got up that afternoon and went to with my uh, wife and we had a nanny, uh, we all went to my older son's uh, recital. He had an instrument. It was playing a violin. I was uh, on the camera, uh, the videotape, and uh, sitting down in the front. So nobody said much to me, and I didn't say anything to anybody else. And then my wife, when it was over, my wife said, I'm going to take the boys to get an ice cream, and I'll meet you at home. I said, okay, but I didn't say much. I decided I was going to stop at our, our library and get some DVDs in case tomorrow uh, I was uh, still not feeling well, I'd have something to do at home. And um, my wife got home before me, and she called me, and she asked me, where, where are you? And I couldn't answer her. And I knew there's a problem. I didn't know what it was. But I knew um, something's afoot. She um, said, well, come on home. We'll figure it out. But the first thing she did was she played 20 questions. Eventually, she asked me, am I at the library? And at least I could still say yes and no. So then I got home and I, we decided uh, I needed to go to the emergency room. She, she didn't want me to drive and I didn't uh, insist. But uh, I was uh, on my uh, BlackBerry back then, emailing my partners, my uh, managers, and my assistant that was saying, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to check it out. <laughs> I um, didn't see the email I sent until nine weeks later when I got out of the hospitals. It was uh, pretty messed up. It seemed uh, fine to me, but they called me on my cell phone, but I didn't answer it uh, because I had a stroke. And I didn't find out then later that evening the doctor came and told me uh, I had a stroke. And I still couldn't get my head around it at that time. Brent spent a considerable amount of time away from home recovering. I was in the hospital for five and a half weeks. I was in a subacute rehab place for three weeks. And the other thing was they hospitalized me just to watch me. And that's when I had the major stroke, which uh, took out my right side of the motor function or the motion of my body. I was scared and I didn't realize what uh, was causing the strokes. One of the neurologists uh, finally saw what was the problem six days after the first stroke. I have a, um, an aneurysm of my left uh, carotid. Apparently, um, it was uh, right at the base of my skull. They call them pseudoaneurysms. So apparently, it can uh, form and then disappear. 
I guess the base of skull can maybe be a challenge for them to diagnose it. So I found that. And then a, a few days later, they decided they would recommend a, a blood thinner. And uh, of course, I uh, agreed. And I'm, I'm on the blood thinner ever since. When I got home, I um, was still in a wheelchair. I soon uh, learned uh, how to use in a walker. But um, I went through out three days of, uh, a week of outpatient therapy for almost five months. I just focused on um, everything I could to get back um, my uh, former uh, self. Uh, I assumed that uh, if I worked hard enough, I would get it uh, back. And so I was making progress. I was um, going from the walker to a wide base cane to a narrow base cane to nothing. And so I was making progress then. I um, didn't drive um, until about nine months after the strokes. Then I was a um, alteration. I could uh, drive my car. Late uh, August, I started working back part time at the job. But I soon realized it took me about three months and then I realized I wasn't going to make the transition back to my old job. I worked for part time for a year, but I never could do what it, it, it took. I didn't have the stamina. And so I just accepted that I was going to retire. On the way, Brent talks about helping other stroke survivors. I learned that my aphasia can be an example for others, for other stroke patients, for other people that think they can't do it. And I just uh, showed them, look, you can do it. Uh, It isn't perfect, but how? We'll we'll do it. So I've been doing it uh, since then. And um, the other thing I started uh, helping other stroke uh, thrivers. I call them thrivers because they're survivors who thrive. And the two things that helped him push through his recovery. Be uh, persistent and be grateful because those two gifts uh, help me say I can't get up too well or I can't walk too well. And I'm I'm frustrated. Um, I just slowly uh, take a breath and then think, I can be persistent, slow but steady, and I can be grateful that I have what I have. Let's hear how Brent's stroke became a catalyst for positive change. I um, focused a lot on my recovery, from my physical recovery. I was lost because uh, when, I was in, uh, when I was the hospital minister, I had a purpose. I knew I was going to help people get uh, help for their animals. For almost uh, almost 11 years after the strokes, I was um, floundering. I would uh, focus on my physical recovery. That was good, but uh, I wanted to do more. I tried a bunch of things through the, that period, but it was um, hard uh, mentally. It was uh, difficult because uh, I wanted to do more, but I didn't see anything that I could do. In late 2020, one of my colleagues in the veterinary world has a weekly podcast. She also does life coaching, and she kept bugging me. She said, saying, you'd be a great uh, guest. You can talk fine. And I would say, no, 
my aphasia, people don't want to hear me uh, fumble over the words. Almost a year of asking it, I finally relented and said, all right, I'll do it. I had a wonderful time. I didn't realize I could. I thought I really had to lean uh, into aphasia and my introversion and stay away from public uh, uh, events. And uh, when I leaned into the aphasia and I just said, what the heck? What I learned was two things. I learned that my aphasia can be an example for others, for other stroke patients, for other people that think they can't do it. And I just uh, showed them, look, you can do it. Uh, it isn't perfect, but how? We'll, we'll do it. So I've been doing it uh, since then. And um, the other thing, I started uh, helping other stroke uh, thrivers. I call them thrivers because they're survivors who thrive. And uh, their loved ones, because a lot of times the stroke patient doesn't realize or doesn't want to deal with all the um, garbage that uh, the stroke uh, provides with it. So I will help them deal with it. It's very rewarding. I'm very grateful that I found my new purpose. I have a lot of um, issues from the strokes. Still, they are today. But the thing that is really different is my attitude. My attitude has been so um, improved and so uh, fulfilling. Now I look at each day as um, a gift, and I look uh, ways that I can help myself and help others. And so that's what I do, and I will uh, continue that uh, until the day I die. And Brent says you should never give up. Be uh, persistent and be grateful, because those two gifts uh, help me say I can't get up too well, or I can't walk too well. And I'm I'm frustrated. Um, I just slowly uh, take a breath and then think I can be persistent, slow but steady, and I can be grateful that I have what I have. For the other loved ones who support the stroke thriver is um, the same thing, really. Uh, Be patient. Be patient with the stroke patient because it's new for them, too. And um, they don't always do things right. A lot of things uh, come out that you wish you wouldn't uh, have said. Uh, That's uh, all the process of the stroke. And I think everybody, the stroke um, patients and their loved ones, should remember 40% of people that have a stroke in in the first three three weeks of them, uh, their their process, they die. I don't mean to be uh, morbid. But we have to keep reminding ourselves we're alive. We're in the 60% uh, that do live and focus on that. It can be better. Brent's stroke forced him into early retirement, but he hasn't let that change his desire to help others. He regularly now gives talks to stroke survivors to show them that life is really worth living after stroke. Thank you for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do rate and comment on the episodes you hear and please do share them with anyone you think they might help. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.